Well, hi, and welcome to Training for a Life Redeemed. I am Dan, and each week I am sitting down with my dad, Dr. David Jackson, to examine various sections of the Bible. Now, this week we are going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 3, which is all about the beginnings, and it's, it's the very beginning of the Bible. So let's start with the first four words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. So how does that set us up for what's coming? Uh, those four words blow everything we might think right out of the water. Um, and it's shocking stuff. Uh, the concept that there is a beginning is in itself blows the mind. Uh, Notice it doesn't say before the beginning, because if if there's a beginning, you can't have a before. This verse is telling us that God created time and space, not just the stuff that he put in it. It tells us that God himself exists outside of the whole creation order, unlike every other God anybody else imagined, and sometimes the way people imagine God himself He's outside of time, outside of space, outside of the whole creation. He's uncreated. He doesn't exist within the rules and the regulations and the, the limitations of space and time. Uh, we're dealing with the creator who is not part of the creation. All right, so that's Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, when we get to Genesis 1-2, it starts to kind of set us up on this six-day journey as God goes through and creates the world. And there's this beautiful structure that flows through it of, you know, and God said, whatever he says, it happens. It was beautiful or it was good. Uh, and then there's evening and morning, and then it's either whatever day is, is finishing. Is this poetic? Is this just structure? What's, what's the point of this? Why is it put in the Bible like that? Well, a couple of answers. Uh, clearly, this is narrative, and narrative isn't fiction. Narrative is, this is historical narrative. And he just flows on telling the story from Genesis 1-1 right through uh, to the middle of Exodus and on. So we're dealing with a sequence of events, six days worth of events in a, in a first, second, third order sequence. The days are defined as evening and morning, not as indiscriminate ages. Um, and this tells us that we're dealing with a God of order, of deliberation, a God who creates by his word. Uh, and it also tells us that we've got a basis on which to go investigate all of this. Um, so when this stuff was written, it was written for an audience that didn't have their own copy sitting on their lap in church. This is a, a book that has been read to a congregation. And whenever Moses writes anything, uh, he repeats himself over and over and over again in a pattern so that if you've listened to him for 20 minutes, you've virtually memorised all but fill in the blanks. Uh, and that's a very effective way to teach. Uh, people have some problems with this with their science, and those problems are real. Um, 
and we need to stop telling ourselves that the Bible isn't a scientific textbook. The Bible is telling a story. It is God's story, and it's true. Uh, our science is observing what we can see today. This is what God is describing as what he did then. What we see today doesn't match with what he tells us he did then. That's a fact. What do you do with that? And my answer is, we humbly sit down and say, there's lots of stuff in the science that we can see helps us understand the Bible. There's lots of stuff in the Bible that makes us rethink our science. And where the two clash, I want to sit down humbly and say, I don't know the answer, but let's go have fun and explore. Let's research our Bible. Let's research our science. Let's not make up answers that are easier that cancel one or the other. Uh, the Bible is telling us God's story, and that's the way he did it. And in our science, that's not exactly something you can easily investigate. But we have investigated stuff, and we need to take that seriously too. Uh, this isn't a choice. This is an invitation to explore, to learn, and to discover. And it's brilliantly exciting. Genesis 1, 1, all the way through to 2, 3, essentially walks us through the seven days of creation. Uh, so that the six days of actually creating, and then not the seventh day, it just tells us that he stopped. So how does that whole seven-day sequence then point us to Jesus? Because you know, we said in our very first episode that when we're looking at the Old Testament, we have to look at how Jesus fulfills it. We have to look at how it shows us God and how it teaches us to live a life redeemed. So how does it point towards Jesus? I think we, we really come to... The first thing you discover is that Jesus is the creator God. So when it says in the beginning God, John 1.1 1, 1 opens up and says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So this Word, this God, is Jesus. So immediately we're confronted with a God who's way more complex than some monistic individual like us uh, sitting in the sky chucking stuff around. Um, when the Bible says God is love, if in the beginning there was only God, who did he love? And the answer is you have Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Uh, we learn that as we go along. So we're immediately confronted with Jesus, second person of the Trinity. Um, and when we come to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and God starts talking to himself, and the, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are having a conversation, let's go down there and let's make human beings in our image. They're going to reflect our character. They're going to be a visual uh, representation of who we are as the one God. That's a complex creation. So when he creates an image of himself, he creates a man and a woman. That immediately confronts every aspect of our culture and every culture. Man and woman are each image of God. Together they image God. Uh, they're designed to function together. Uh, this thing is like a finely tuned um, set of relationships. And then he blesses them. I think we miss this sometimes. He gives them three blessings, three happinesses. Having kids, work, and being in control of their world under God. 
that's I mean if you are successful in terms of your family if you are successful in your work and if you are successful in terms of having control of your world that's the place of that the Bible calls shalom peace uh, and God gave us that from the beginning as a blessing and he enabled us to do that when I wrestle with high school kids you notice that um, these kids go into crisis in the early years of high school am I any good with the opposite sex or am I a complete dork or a, the girls would t- tell each other you're a dog uh, th- these are hugely destructive God says we're very beautiful am I competent or am I a useless lump of meat am I in control of my world or am I a victim you, you look at how G- God handed us this beautiful package and how we screwed it up and how Jesus gives it back to us. And that's huge. Yeah, and I, I like, you know, I remember doing a paper when I was at Bible College on Colossians and I liked how, as I was reading the commentaries and stuff and writing this, it was really clear in the passage that in Genesis 1 it talks about how Adam and Eve were created in God's image, whereas in Colossians it's about, God, uh, about Jesus being the image yeah. uh, rather than being created in the image which i think is is really making clear to us that jesus is an like he, he's god when you look at him you, you're seeing god you're not just seeing something that looks like god you are actually seeing the image of god you're, you're encountering god himself visibly manifest in the flesh whereas we are a picture we're derivative so if i take a photograph of dan and I put that photograph up, the photograph, I might look at it and say, there's Dan. But if I start talking to the photograph, I'm a twit. Okay, this is not Dan. This is a two-dimensional representation. When you go from the creator God to us, you're going from the giver of life to a living being manifesting in more than just a visual in every aspect of our life and story, the character of God. So my next question I have down here to ask you is what does this passage say about God? And I think we've already talked about it. It's it's already identified that God is three, so the trilogy is in there. We've talked about how he's love. We've talked about how he is uh, the giver of life. Is there anything else that we can pull out of this passage about uh, who God is and what he's like? I think one of the things that we note in this whole business is that this is about glorifying God. Um, many years ago when my dad was around we and I do this with my sons uh, from time to time we'll get stuck into a job in the middle of the day we'll work our guts out getting the wall built or whatever it is and at the end of the day you sit down uh, and in my dad's case it was usually about midnight when you'd finally finished the job and dinner was cold and mum reheated it and we'd sit down dad would have a smoke and we'd look at the wall and we'd go yeah that's pretty beautiful that's good I'm satisfied with my work. And you look at this whole seven-day creation, you go, here is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, looking at his work at the end of each day going, yeah, that's beautiful. And you start to get the idea, why am I here? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he's created this whole story to do that. Life isn't pointless. No, so then if we switch then for what it tells us about 
God and what it's how it's pointing us towards Jesus to then let's focus in more on us uh, how, how does this actually train us for a redeemed life how, how does this teach us how we should be living it says to me I need to go back to Eden and I need to think about how God set it up to work and note that where we've deviated from that the word for sin it means that you've stepped off the path uh, that, that Hebrew word is a, a word for missing the target uh, losing your way on the on the map, uh, getting off the trail and ending up lost in the bush. That's what we've done. So what we need to do is go back to the place where we started and look at how God mapped it out for us. This is the good life. And this is the life Jesus died to give us back so that we can not only get to heaven and enjoy it or get to the new creation and enjoy it, but start to put the pieces back together now and rebuild our own little Eden here and now in our communities well that's it for genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 2 verse 3 uh, thanks for listening uh, if you want to go and have a look at the show notes or get a copy of the section from david's little mini series that talks about genesis 1 1 to 2 3 jump over to trainingforliferedeemed.com slash ep2 leave us a comment or ask us a question that you would like to have answered on this podcast and we will have a look at those and answer them as we go. Uh, If you enjoyed today, please take a moment and leave us a review and make sure that you tune in next week when we talk all about Genesis 2.